Yeah, no, so he, um, oh yeah, so welcome to Church and Other Drugs. I'm late on this interview, so there's going to be no intro. It's just going to be me and Rhea talking at first. Woo! Say hey, Rhea. Hey. (laughs) Uh, Is it, it's Dickerson, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what they I won't let me put it on my PlayStation Live account because because it has it's dick. On dick. It. <laughs> yeah. So we had to change it to dick. Or do, you, do you know what? what <laughs> but that's hilarious though because you know what my PlayStation ID is. Mm-mm. Brad Pitt's bulge. Oh, that's, nice, nice. <laughs> I snuck that one by. <laughs> bulge totally. is allowed. So totally. But yes. my totally legitimately named Dick Dickerson husband can't put his name on there. That's there so was sad. someone else I was reading. I think it was like it was someone someone with like an Asian name that was also some kind of body part and he was like very upset and he like wrote Sony <laughs> and was like, Listen, this is my name, here's my birth certificate, like let me on. Um so the question you had asked me and I'll hit record because I don't even know if we ever really talked about it, but why John isn't on the show anymore. Uh, or why isn't he isn't on the show regularly? Uh, it's because yeah. he hates me, and we had oh, cool. a big falling out. No, he just got busy. He's uh he's like this big shot digital marketer. Uh, he's got two kids. You know, he just got busy. I guess didn't have time for the little people. Yeah, well, it's it's a life, and podcasting takes up a lot of time. Too, it does so. take up a lot of time, and <laughs> it, it was easier to just instead of like. Because we would schedule times and he wouldn't be able to do it. And so it was like tense. And then it was much easier to just be like, look, uh, I can come on when like when I can. And if not, no big deal. So awesome. we just switched yeah, it that, to that. That probably made it way easier and way less stressful for both of you. It did. It did. It it, it turned a new leaf in our life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's I awesome. get to make fun of him constantly because he's not here to defend himself. Well, there you go. I do the same yeah. thing to Richie. It's a great marriage. He's actually in uh, Joey's house church because he lives in Charleston. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. How's that going? He says it's going you like good. The he does. Sweet. Well, it was. It was that was also one of our first sources of. I was so pissed at him because I introduced him to a bad Christian and all that, uh, oh. and then he was like, "Hey, guess what." I was like, what? He's like, I'm like best friends with Joey now. And I was like, you son of a bitch. So, you know, he always makes fun of me for that. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. I mean, do you really want to be the best friends with Joey? That's debatable. Desperately. It's all I want him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, what is your, tell us about your show. My show? Okay, so... Step of Echoes is a podcast about mental illness, and um, I'm not an expert in it. I'm not in the field in any way other than the fact that my husband has schizoaffective disorder, and we got a crash course in how to deal with it, and um, we've... so. Not only was I uneducated in it, but my husband was woefully uneducated in his own mental health. And so we've actually both been learning a ton. And as we learned, um, we've also seen a lot of people um, kind of voicing their stuff too. And like, oh, wow, you know, there's, this is so much more widespread and deeper than we really thought. And it's so connected to so many different things, you know? substance abuse, you know, is a huge one. Homelessness is a huge one. 
Um, it's with the kids and with just abuse in the household in any way. It just like, it affects so many different areas. Um, and so once we started talking about our story, other people were bringing up their stuff and I apparently can talk somewhat. So I was like, (laughs) well, you know, I've heard you say before that like, we all need to share and I agree to a big extent, but I know that some people can't yet. And so I was like, oh, Hey, I can share. Yeah. So I will, you know, I mean, just, you know, when there's trauma and stuff, you know, certain parts of your story are just not accessible even to you sometimes. And so it's like, okay, well I have kind of a gift for gab and I care about this a lot and I'm willing to learn and keep an open mind and be honest. And so Plus, I teach myself a lot of things, so I learned audio, and yeah. <laughs> here we are. What do you What do you do for your day job? What do you do for a living? Uh, I take care of my husband. I, I don't get to go have a job. Oh, what does your husband Actually, do? Actually, he's on disability. Oh, so y'all are he so... used to work. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah, and I and I love it too. Mental health is my ongoing struggle. I guess I was. Uh, mentally ill depressed before i started doing drugs when i was 11 i got diagnosed with tourette's because uh, i had mm. this horrible um i would like blink my eyes and i had all these i would like exhale out of my nose and i had all these like really bad facial tics and then i would get made fun of them for that and so it would just make them worse and uh so they put me on risperidol which is like a heavy antipsychotic when i was 11 which oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. And I thought for the longest, I was like, that was a quack ass doctor. And then recently I've done research and I was like, Oh, cause I, I stereotypically thought Tourette's is just the, like, can't con- you just blurt out whatever. But I did research. And I was like, Oh, that probably was Tourette's. That's exactly what that is. Just uncontrolled facial tics. Um, yeah. And so I guess I, it's one of those, I don't know if it was a chicken or the egg thing. Like, because I started on medicine so early, did I screw up my brain chemistry even more? And then, of course, you know, turns out meth and heroin aren't the greatest for brain chemistry. <laughs> um, but I've just gone off and on whether I need to be on medicine or not. And it's funny that this talk is, I guess it's not funny. I'm, there's not really a coincidence, but um, I've been on a new uh, uh, I just started like Zoloft and Wellbutrin I've been on that for I don't know a couple months now and it was going really well and it's taken a nosedive in this past like two weeks I've just been in the worst depression uh oh. yeah I mm-hmm. hate it and so now I'm back to like do I even like should I just not be on medicine anymore because it's I'm getting the same lows but I can't breach any kind of highs so it's mm-hmm. just like I don't know it's so aggravating well, is there a chance that there's like um, undiagnosed bipolar? Because, you know, an antidepressant yeah. isn't great for someone with bipolar necessarily. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know. It seems like mine because it seems like I don't have the mania is what I'm missing. Have you? Okay. So here's the thing. Like I always thought, well, first of all, bipolar it doesn't always have to have full-blown mania, which is a psychotic side. But also, have, like, you known about hypomania? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, so I didn't know about it, and so I never recognized it in Richie, but he would get these states where he was, like, needing less sleep. He wasn't, like, 
totally up for days like he was you know on whatever drug you would be the one <laughs> to know which drug that causes but like speed I guess or um but he would have he would need less sleep he would have more energy he would start like organizing things and he would get like more excited about stuff but it wasn't full-blown yeah. and it wasn't to check, like check, super check. destructive right yeah so and it's like those and you know it's really up to a doctor and you know you and everybody to decide like whether that was maybe abnormal, like was that you but heightened, or was that just you in a really good place? And that's really right. hard to tell sometimes. It's so hard sure. to tell, and and it's it seems like all this is is a long exercise in figuring out which I want to live with. Do I want to live with? Because my depression usually is I just get suicidal. That's just been it's just like I. I'm just one of those people. It's not, it's more ideation. There's no, usually no plans. Uh, but just a couple times a month that would just come up. That was just, you know, whatever. I just learned to live with it. And it's like, do I take that or do I take, uh, this kind of numbed out, you know, I haven't been able to cry since I've been on it, which is super annoying. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's a real bummer. Right. Like I, I, mm-hmm. and then, so it's, it's one of those, which one do I want to, live with so i don't know i've got my doctor's appointment coming back up soon so i guess i'll make a decision on then it's it's funny if you listen back to the podcast too it's an it's so stupid at this point because it's a never-ending like oh i'm depressed i need to get on medicine and then i get on medicine and i'm like i hate this i need to get off medicine and i think i've done this a couple times now but i don't know dude that's that's the, one of the hardest parts about um stabilizing with a mental illness is the drugs fucking suck. And yeah. I do not blame anyone who picks street drugs over pharmaceuticals because right. the pharmaceuticals, like seriously, like one, uh, I think it was 2017 was the year Richie put on like 80 pounds Yeah, because of the drugs. Like, oh yeah, weight gain, 80 pounds yeah, of weight gain. Serious weight gain. And like this guy's, six four six five so before all this all this stuff kind of started um going down its road in like may of 2017 but before that he worked for like 10 years solid and was getting like some awards at work he was a metal grinder um so really physical and but like 10 years solid of 40 to 60 hours a week because he would work overtime and working out like two hours a day and all this stuff like super busy super active to like being on the serious antipsychotics and um, anti-anxiety medications and tranquilizers and stuff and like gaining all this weight and sleeping all the time and not being able to work. And just, it's crazy how much they affect yeah. you. Well, let's, let's just, uh, cause we keep dancing around it. Let's just, <laughs> let's hear, let's hear the story. Yeah, sure. So uh, May of 2017, uh, everything kind of came to, ahead at the end of it so how so like how long had y'all been married and y'all had kids like what was the the family unit at that time and like how old were y'all yeah so um let's see i don't know it was so it's two years ago so then i guess i was 31 ish and richie's 35 then um we had a toddler at that point together and then I had brought um, seven-year-olds. Um, my 
child was seven. And so we had two kids at that time. And Richie's the only dad he's ever known. It's just a little confusing with the timing because there's also anxiety from my son with not being Richie's biological son. Well, um, so that, it just complicates everything. If I can ask, was that like a, a divorce? Did he? Yeah. yeah, it was a divorce. And it's hard because like he was a really shitty guy and like, I don't like to talk negatively because I know kids kind of inherently put their parents' traits on themselves. Sure. And I in no way want him to feel like he comes from bad stock or yeah. that he's he's doomed to repeat those failures. Because, you know, we're talking about jail and drugs and a lot. Honestly, if I had to guess, there's probably several diagnoses in mental illness that he has. Um, but, you know, a lot of like... <laughs> I would say the biggest thing is to kind of understand what of a what kind of a guy this was. He literally pretended to be a representative from Husky Oil, which is like one of the major oil companies in Canada. And this, we lived in Canada because he's Canadian. Um, and bought a Hummer on a purchase order at one of the dealerships, and we had it for two weeks before he got caught. <laughs> nice. Like, and he did all sorts of this kind of shit. And then um, he also loved to parade me and our like infant in front of the judge and be like, I just want to get out. And then, yeah, it was, oh, and it was abusive and just, ugh, it was, it was not good, but anyway. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a whole separate thing. Yeah. So, okay. It's totally. It feels like a lifetime ago, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then fast forward, Richie comes into the picture and we met online. So we met on plenty of fish and I, no way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I messaged him cause he has this really cute dimple. And I was like, I just have to say, have a really, really amazing smile. And then he was like, Oh, thanks. And then like, he didn't reject me and he also didn't encourage me. So I was like, well, hmm, what should I do? <laughs> yeah. So I think I ended up saying something else and I can't remember what, but we started dating. He, I wasn't going to church regularly. Um, although I'd been a Christian for a long time, but I just got back from Canada, bad abusive relationship. I wasn't really sure that I felt comfortable in church. Like I still believed in God, but it was like, Oh, I'm definitely the black sheep right now. Yeah. Um, and none of the churches that I had been to in the past were ones that I really wanted to go back to after coming home from a couple of years in Canada. So I started going with him <laughs> And he was going to this really, really tiny little um, 10 to 15 person church that was like, wait, what what state were y'all in? In Oregon here in in Portland. 10 to 15 people? Yeah. It was like a storefront and like very like Pentecostal and prosperity gospel and fundamentalist and it's super weird because like it doesn't fit his personality at all. But he's also just this really sweet guy. And then his experiences with schizophrenia and stuff like that kind of lend itself to a more mm, overt um, supernatural world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you just kind of have that affinity to go towards the more expressive stuff, Um, which also makes me like want to slap people in the Pentecostal world and be like, Hey, you guys need to realize there's a lot of undiagnosed mental illness in your midst. And yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, go ahead. 
so he had so this wasn't a new diagnosis at at his age 35 no oh, so yeah cuz i so he yeah, he had no. known <clears throat> he did so we when we were dating he told me and at that point he thought he had been healed and so oh, and he man. you know he's working solid at this point i think he was like six or seven years of working solid at his job and you know very responsible had a had an apartment and you know he had a roommate that was mooching off him but like so he was actually like supporting kind of a lazy roommate and also himself and you know like he was doing really well and he thought he had been healed and wasn't really displaying anything that I thought was a sign or anything but I'm telling the story to me now he said that like he still had voices but it was mostly god telling him that he could be off his medication and the voices stayed positive at that point and so um so yeah so I didn't really do anything because I was like okay cool well I mean makes sense to me I was somewhat I mean I spent some time growing up in a Pentecostal church so kind of that whole like super spiritual healing type thing was like uh, I guess like yeah god do it you know I can tell you the it was one my one real Pentecostal experience or like charismatic experience was at a a faith based treatment center I went to and that was what they preached you know they did the exorcisms and all that big deal mm. but I can tell you I have never um ever experienced a spiritual feeling like that. Like mm. I did feel something like, and people there felt something, whatever, whatever it was, if it was just emotional or whatever. So, I mean, I understand how like it, something's going on there. I mean, I, so I, I completely understand how if you're into that, you're into that. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it definitely feeds itself and we have, as humans, I think we have a propensity to kind of like feed into that excitement. And then also when we're in that kind of group setting, we get each other kind of feeding onto it. I might sneeze. Anyway. That's the, so uh, that's the gets... demons coming out. That's actually a sign no, of the demons when we were being the exorcism class. Yep. Sneezing. Oh yawning. gosh, seriously? Seriously. Oh. I kid you not. Basically they're, <laughs> so they're like, here's, oh, so we were like, how do we know when the demons coming out? And they're like, well, here are the signs. Uh, yawning, <laughs> facial itching, uh, sneezing, basically anything that you do is, yeah, funny. Like, I'm bored. This demon's not coming out. Like, oh, she scratched her eye. We're good. Okay. There, there was one dude, because you had to go, you had to sit, it was called deliverance class. You had to sit in this classroom and everyone had to do it. And like, you couldn't leave until you got exercised in this. Um, I thought, anyway, we, so we like went to the class and something happened and, we're all outside smoking cigarettes afterwards. And I, I was sharing my experience and I was like talking to my bud. I was like, dude, yeah, I saw you, you, something happened with you early on. He was like, dude, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. He was like, I just started <laughs> making stuff up. And I was like, Oh, okay. Oh my yeah. gosh. Seriously. That's how you get the attention off of you when you're in a Pentecostal type of service is you just like, just go along with it and just do it and get it over with. Cause otherwise they just keep like praying for you and like getting more intense about it. And then you're like, so I'm either super rebellious and like dead inside and probably doomed to hell, or this is maybe 
kind of bullshit right now. Like, yeah, I don't know exactly. what's going on. I don't feel depraved at the moment, but I don't know. So um, anyway, getting back to that, like, so we were there at that church and there were so many like just red flags of like super controlling abusive behavior from the pastor. Like he couldn't come with me to like some sort of, I think it was a March for life or whatever. And uh, because they needed to go on a beach trip as like a church just for fun, but he couldn't go with me to like that walk. And I was like, what? You like, this church is like super supportive of that kind of activity. And then like, but he has to prioritize like going and bonding with the church instead of going and supporting his fiance. Like, okay. But then just a lot of like, he couldn't do what he needed to do. He cut his hair and then he would get razzed about like, Oh, we just got you looking nice and looking sharp. And then you buzz all your hair off. And I got scriptures passed to me about, tattoos and not having them and stuff and I was like well like what do you want me to do (laughs) and then I think the final straw was when I had my brother visiting for some reason he came with us I definitely don't feel like I invited him maybe (laughs) just to show him how crazy it was I don't know but uh, seriously and like we're sitting there and the tithe thing goes by and obviously like my brother's a visitor. He didn't put offering in there. And afterwards the pastor pulled me inside and he was like telling me how I need to have a talk with my brother about how you don't come to church empty handed and no, all this stuff. And I was not. like, what are you kidding me right now? Like, uh, so I, I stopped going and I was like, Richie, I sorry. Like I'm not telling you to stop going but there are so many red flags to me and I just can't ignore them. And the hard part is the way the teachings go is like, am I being rebellious and just trying to ignore what, you know, the good things that God's trying to do, or is this really a problem that I'm recognizing? And finally it was just like, I'm sorry, honey. Like I think the Holy Spirit's talking right now and I'll pray that you, see the truth that either I'm wrong and everything's fine and I'm just rebellious or, you know, he's wrong because something's not right here. And as soon as I stopped going to that church, the whole message went from like, Oh, this is, you know, you guys are so great for each other. And obviously this is the girl that God wants you to marry and stuff. And to me being offended and I'm just using him and all this stuff. Well, I guess, yeah. Around that time, the voices started to change for him, I guess, but I didn't know it at the time. And so he dealt with um, the voices and symptoms starting to ramp up from about the time he started, stopped going to that church, which was a couple months after I did. Did the, handle... did the church members encourage him to quit taking his medicine as well? Or he just didn't, he made that on his own. I'm not really sure. I'm trying to remember if he, I know he had gotten prayed over and I want to say, even if they didn't explicitly say, don't take your medication, it would have been very heavily implied that if we're going to pray for something, we're going to act on faith and taking medication for antipsychotic stuff is not acting on faith. Right. So, um, I don't know if it was explicitly stated, but definitely, you know, and it's like 10 people. It's like, it's 
No and it wonder. was his family, no too, wonder. though. Yeah. And it was like a family to him because he'd been there for like five years. And this is where he had gotten his life together because he had done plenty of drugs. Um, but uh, so at, at that point, that's when I think it started really ramping up for him. But he didn't really he muscled through for another five years probably uh, before getting back on medication and, and all that stuff. So he was working full time the whole time we got married after that. He was working full time, helping to take care of my kid and then our kids. Was was he um, still at the church or he left that church? No, he did end up leaving because okay. he couldn't handle that after a while. It just, which broke his heart and it ended in this big humiliating thing where the po- pastor put him on the spot and, try to shame him and humiliate him. Um, and so it was really traumatic for him for sure. And I know that contributed a lot to his mental state and the depression. And May of 2017 was mental health month. And I was like, okay, well I have a social media presence cause I had some other businesses and stuff. And he was not out to anyone except for like me my mom, his parents, and like two or three people at our church, including our pastors. And since he couldn't be open, I was like, well, you know what? I have depression and anxiety. I'm just going to be as open as I can be to get the conversation going. At least I can just be public about that. And hopefully, you know, we'll get to a place where Richie feels like he's safe enough where he can start sharing. And within a couple of days, he was like, okay, I want to be open. I want to talk to people about, about what's going on with me. And I was like, are you sure? You know, like, is this a big step going from like nobody knowing to everybody knowing that you have schizophrenia? Cause like, I will help you come out with your story and do this, but I want you to be ready for it. You know, I have, I'm in no way ashamed or uncomfortable with people knowing, but it could be really scary and amp up the paranoia and stuff. Yeah, that that one probably that one is a heavily stigmatized one. Yes, right. it so is. Um, but kind of the my secret hope the whole time though was he's like this big six foot guy who's like well built. He's also attractive and he's really sweet. And it's like you if you could be public. He'd be, be a such good a good face boy. for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, it's weird to think like that, like marketing terms, but at the same time, it's like I want a safer world for him and for our kids. And it's it's like that's kind of how we Down- get there. Yeah, it's like what Robert Downey Jr. did for drug addiction and alcoholics. Like, yes, everybody needs their champion, if you will. Yes. So he came out with it. And we had just like started talking about it. And then I don't know what it was, but he was coming home from work more often, like crying and struggling. And there were so many points where I was like, do we need to go to the hospital? Where are we at? The problem and the reason we didn't take him in sooner was because he has heard voices since he was about eight when he had some trauma, like significant trauma. And he had, trauma his whole life really growing up but that's around when the voices started coming on and he started having some of the symptoms 
So during his adolescence, he spent some time in psych wards and like his dad basically dropped him off for the summer. Mm -hmm. And he spent a summer alone in a psych ward in, you know, what, early 2000s, um, drugged out of his mind and scared. And, you know, I think when he got back, he said the kids were weird to him. And I think he got a death threat. Um, Yeah, dude, psych wards are extremely scary (laughs) places. Yes. So, um, I knew that if that fast forwarding to the day, if I took him back there, that was a huge, huge thing I was asking from him, you know, to walk back into a hospital would be asking him to walk down his darkest road. Um, and so the night it all came to a head, he was, I know he had been in bed probably for a couple of days, the medications we had, him on at the time were not really working and we you had remember called his what doctor they were? um i think he was on a lot of the same ones but not as many so i think he was still on latuda and i think he was on like lamotrigine and cymbalta but i don't think they had introduced the zyprexa yet um okay. which is amazing um super amazing drug when it's appropriate um, so that night he was crying a ton. And the reason that I knew it was time was because there was a particular hallucination that followed him around. And it's like the way he describes it is like this used car salesman, like wearing a suit, pale skin, slicked back hair. And then he has like these really like gross glowing yellow eyes. And Jeez. yeah. And this is like one that has, been with him for a long time or whatever um and he couldn't help it and he the first time he's ever really engaged with his any of his hallucinations or delusions in an active way around me and he just yelled at it from across the room i think he just said shut up or something or leave him alone and i was like holy shit this is a put up or shut up moment because not only is he having a moment like this also, what if this is spiritual? Like, yeah. what if it is really a demon, you know, or something like that? And I was like, where is it? And he pointed over into the corner of our room and I w- went over there and stood there and I was like, where, where is it? Tell me where it is. And he's like, well, we moved over to the side. I was like, internally, I was like, fuck this shit. This is hospital. This has nothing to do yeah. with spiritual stuff. If me as a child of God and like a created being in God's image and supposedly endued with his spirit, you know, if all the spiritual side is true, then how the fuck could I stand right next to a demon and not feel anything? Like there's something wrong there if that's the case. And so I was like, okay, we got to get him into the hospital. But then convincing him to go was really hard because he's crying. He just wanted to, die and he was begging for it you know and what do you do when your spouse is begging to die you have no hope to give them you know because this isn't just suicidality and depression where you know we'll try some more antipsychotic or not antipsychotics but antidepressants and right you know there's a lot of different things you're not dealing with voices and all these hallucinations and things yeah you know and before that he had to ask a coworker if his wrists were bleeding because all he could see was a cut and the blood coming out and he could feel it. So he had to ask, 
he kept seeing the house like burning around him and like yeah and it's like it's crazy because it's all of your senses or it can be yeah that's and, and like to that that's see the, and this is what so and I deal with with adolescents who have their you know they're supposed to be primary drug addiction but they also have psych problems and mm-hmm. you know we'll get the ones that say they hear voices and stuff but it it's like what they don't understand is like it's it's seeing hallucinations like that is pretty rare like that's like mm-hmm. You know, for the, you know, for the most, the vast majority of, like, the kids that I come in contact with that'll say something like that, they've figured out that it's a good way to get attention, right? And Mm -hmm. you can, you can suss out what's, what's bullshit and what's not, right? And then we'll, we'll get the ones and we'll find their journals where they're not showing anyone and we'll see these and we're like, oh, okay, that's real. You're actually. Yeah, because it's so scary. Yeah. And if the treatments that you're getting aren't working, then it's even scarier because it's like, what's the hope? So, you know, he was suicidal. I don't know if anything's going to be able to help him. You know, honestly, it's like, we've tried these drugs. I don't know that anymore will work for you. I don't. Uh, You know, at that point, we were still thinking that it was more, more progressive than it actually is or can be. And so there was no change in like, was he like a recreational drinker? Any of that? Um, yes. And he was drinking at the time. Um, well, no, no, he wasn't like, once he started the antipsychotic medications, he wasn't drinking. He did stop at that point, but before he got on them, like he was definitely self-medicating with alcohol, Yeah, which family history of that too. Um, and also mental illness. So it's like, you know, it's so easy and it's right there and yeah. there's no stigma attached to a beer bottle. And, you know, a lot of our church at the time too, was like super into like craft brewing and Shit. pipes, like pipes and, you know, cool tobacco yep. and, and beards and Calvinism. And now I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. bye. <Yeah. laughs> bye. <Totally. laughs> but um, yeah. So he, I had, I had to get him in and I, I somehow convinced him to go in and I don't even know how he got up to go because the next time it took an ambulance and a paramedic with Cyprexa on hand to get him up because it was like, he, he gets at that point. So what happens beyond that night was the next time that he got really bad, he was beyond the point where he could still talk. And that I could get him to the hospital. And he was just curled up into a ball and just shaking and looking like literally like trying to squeeze himself so tight that he like stops moving. He just looks like he's trying to implode on himself. Um, It doesn't look anything like you'd imagine like a psychotic break. um, You know, not I mean, you probably have an idea, but yeah, the general public Hollywood has done a poor job of. Yes, yes, he's done an extremely poor job of showing uh, what, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> this, like. like, eccentric, uh, but with a certain amount of charm, like, <laughs> you know, it's not, nope. it's, it's desperate, and it's, yeah, it's awful, and so, man, it's, that it's, 
it's so tough because even hearing this, even knowing what I know and going th- and knowing what I have, still it's like, well, that just sounds like demon possession to me, you know, or it I sounds know. like even so, though, a thought experiment. What if it is? And medicine is the way to fight it, though. I don't know. You know, I'm just spitballing there. It's like, I don't know. That is such. Yeah. So I don't, I get what you're saying. And I totally am open to it. And I've thought about that stuff in the past. I actually go more the other way. And that a lot of the things we've spiritualized have absolutely no basis in spiritual stuff. And that Mm. it's completely our minds and what our bodies do because our bodies take over in trauma situations. And, you know, when certain things trigger our amygdala, it locks down speech portions. It locks down executive functioning and that it happens before we even have a choice. And so it seems like there is, a lot of things that are spiritualized that we just probably don't understand yet. Yeah. And, and, and kind of don't. True. Yeah. And so he had five psych ward trips in like 11 months and they were all like, and that was, and that was, days. wow. And was he medicated during those times? Was he kind of wop? Like, were you controlling his medicine? Was he in charge? Did he skip doses? Was he, were you no, trying to figure out what would compliant. work? Mm. Yeah, he's incredibly compliant, um, which is so helpful because I know what those meds are like. And especially if you're feeling like there's no hope or you're feeling suicidal, like, why would you want to take them? Yeah. Um, Especially when the brain fog is awful, too. It's so bad. Yeah. The sexual (laughs) side effects, the brain fog, the weight gain. It's Mm -hmm. it is a tall order. Like that's Mm -hmm. I really wish pharmaceutical science would quit resting on their fucking laurels and like get some like we're still using like first generation antipsychotics like mm-hmm. surely there's some other stuff y'all could be getting out there yeah actually like there is a lot of really cool stuff like transcranial magnetic stimulation yeah. um but just a lot of the neurobiology that they're studying now and i don't know if you've um delved much into trauma but mm-hmm. the body keeps a score, um, Bessel van der Kirk. Oh my gosh. That is like a mind blowing book and all the different ways that like, cause he was around when the first antipsychotic was being tested against talk therapy. Yeah. And, you know, so it was literally a miracle yeah. drug at that point. Yeah. But we also, at that point we were making progress in all these other regions too, with like, just brain stimulation and different like mechanical things that weren't necessarily drug related or drug based. And we stopped all those when the antipsychotics came out because we're like, well, we don't need them. We're not going to pour money into this shit. We can do these drugs. What's that book called? You said the body keeps a score. Yes, it is so good. I need Um, to read that. Yeah. It explains tons of science. Um, I hear it's really good in audio form, but there is charts and graphs and stuff like that. So you, and brain scans, so you may want to actually yeah. be able to look at it. That um, that's what I ahead. don't think a lot of people, or maybe they do. Maybe I'm being general, but <laughs> as far as science goes, we still don't know that much about the brain. Like a lot of it, like even more so than 
fucking space travel at this point. We're kind of just <laughs> like, we sort of know these areas do something to do with something. So we know this kind of does something, but we're still not sure. Uh, yeah. It is. Well, so what, what does he think about all this? Does he recognize, A, does, does he recognize what's going on? Does he understand your position? Kind of how, how, what is his thought process in all this? So he is not actively psychotic now. Like he is well controlled with his medications as far as psychosis goes. He's struggling a lot with the depression. Uh, he seems does like he's he just... co-occurring. Like so, what, what are what are his actual like diagnoses? Well, so he's got um, schizoaffective disorder, which okay. is schizophrenia plus a major mood disorder. So his <laughs> is bipolar two. Lucky him. Um, so yeah. Um, in uh, I think it was trip number four, he did outpatient for I think it was like twelve weeks after, and at the end of it, his psych um, no, I guess it was his therapist wanted to meet with me too and just have like a a powwow kind of thing mm -hmm. and talk about couple stuff and how to work together well and stuff. And he was talking about how just since he walked in the room, even though when he met Richie, Richie was actively psychotic. He had been continually surprised by how well he functions. And most people with his diagnosis do 10 year stints at the state hospital um, and he's seen hundreds of people with Richie's diagnosis and it's not common for people to do as well as he is. So he attributed a lot of that to our home life and the support from a partner and learning about all this stuff and being compliant and then just being willing to learn. And, you know, some of the things that go along with schizophrenia, you know, it's not just voices, there's positive and negative symptoms so you have positive symptoms or something that add to the experience so your hallucinations the delusions things like that and you have the negative symptoms where it's something that kind of takes away so a flat affect where mm -hmm. he just really has a hard time showing emotion or he has that numbing or um just those types of things where it really takes away like he's terrible about making decisions it's just like, it's almost like they can't grab onto it sometimes. I actually heard, that's so weird, no coincidence, <laughs> but I, I heard today there's something called executive disorder, mm -hmm. something like that. But it's it's essentially, um, yeah, you can't make decisions. And I yeah. Like, that, that was a new, a client told me he had that today. And I, of course, I had to pretend like I knew what the fuck I was talking about, but I was like, huh. That's a new one. <laughs> I've never heard of that one, but that's interesting because I, I felt like such an idiot because I was like, you need to just something to the effect of like, you need to make better choices. And he was like, I have this disorder. I, I literally can't. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, let's, uh, okay, good job, buddy. I felt really Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know the details of executive, executive function disorder and like how widespread it is, but I notice it the most when it's like, I'm like, well, Richie, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Like, do you want to ah. have tacos for dinner or this for dinner? Do you want to like these little decisions? <laughs> Sounds like my wife, but don't. Right. And <laughs> when I realized that that was also a symptom, I was like, oh, I can stop being frustrated and annoyed that I always have to pick and just pick something. And I was yeah. like, hey, 
honey, I know that you struggle with making decisions. So I'm going to start being a little more bossy, maybe. But if there's something that I pick and you have a problem with it, just let me know. Because I'm just yep. going to start picking things and take that off your plate and stop pressuring you to make decisions. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And it like... I stopped doing that. He stopped getting stressed about it. Very awesome. Yeah. That was an easy way to make that work. You know, it's, it's just little things that make it easier to function. I think. <laughs> and kind of speaking of that, does it kind of get to you and I'm kind of preloading the answer, but, uh, how do you feel about it? It, it butters my bread. It doesn't butter my bread. It raises my hackles when, people so flippantly throw around like oh i'm so ocd because i have to have a clean room or like oh my god i literally am having a panic attack over (laughs) you know whatever and it's like no you're not no you don't like stop it don't make mental illness into your status update please yeah it it bothers me a lot because I know that there's a lot of damage that's done as far as like public perception. Also, if someone has this idea of what OCD looks like or what bipolar looks like, and they're going off all these weird opinions of people, they may not go get help because they didn't realize that they also had it. Um, But at the same time, I've made a lot of really ignorant comments with zero intention to hurt anyone or further any sort of stigma So just kind of try to, you know, maybe I'll push back if someone's kind of being an asshole. But for the most part, I try to be pretty gentle and just keep living my life and be really open about it and try to educate when I can. People aren't listening when you're being a jerk anyway. It's true. And and I realize, and you just convicted me, made me realize too, there's a ton, even though once again, and it's kind of why this shit is so difficult, especially with a loved one, even though I'm, even when I'm working with someone, I know exactly what their mental illness is and the symptoms. I'll still get annoyed by it. And you still just want to be like, just snap out of it. Like, why can't you just not be depressed? And I'm saying that as a depressed person that cannot just not be depressed, but that's just, it is, it's hard. And that's, and then I'll just turn my thoughts to like, God, this world is tough. There are some real, real sorrows and struggles here. Like, good God. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, I think God's at work a lot in it. But it's like Jesus pretty specifically lays out how he works, which is like we go and meet those needs in each other. And so a way that Richie is and gets healing or care from God, which he's not even like into God right now at all, which I totally respect, you know? Yeah. That feels was like he got one of pretty, my questions, right? Like oh, I, I don't really blame him for not trusting the guy in the sky that, you know, supposedly talked to him and then flipped, you know, how do you, I don't oh, even know how God. I would sort that out. So I, what does God think about that? You know, like what kind of a God would have someone with a fucked up brain who can't tell the difference and then expect them to, to... tell the difference? Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> what were we talking Jeez. about? We were going someplace else with that, but um, yeah. So I think that 
when we just learn to love each other really well in this life, that's yeah. what God is calling us to. And that's how he um, meets our needs. Like we don't need to pray that God miraculously, like I just did an episode about this, but we don't need to pray that God miraculously makes someone not afraid. You can go fucking sit with them while mm. they're having a panic attack. Hmm. That That's how God is there with them in that moment. Yeah. Like that's how he is not with miracles and like magic. And like, I think the miracle is when the Holy spirit or whatever moves us to action for each other and to sacrifice for each other. And obviously with sacrifice and with serving each other, there's boundaries issues. And we have to be careful about that because I am not in any way calling anyone to push themselves and sacrifice themselves to death. You know, yeah, that's a problem too. Compassion fatigue is very, very real. Very, very real. And self-care becomes the most important thing. That's what I was going to say. So how, what do you do for your own mental health? (laughs) (laughs) For my own, well, I take Cymbalta and um, Citalopram, which I didn't think was an odd combination until my new pharmacist was like, oh, you're Which one is Citalopram? Is that, that's not Lexapro, huh? No. I don't know. I only know it by the generic. <laughs> I guess I should probably figure that out. But um, so Cymbalta and uh, Citalopram, which my Cymbalta, if I miss a day or two, like I start to feel that shit about like 48 hours after I start getting like the brain zaps or no, well, I don't know. It It's like they my vision gets a little weird. I'm like mm. start feeling a little floaty and like, yeah, I don't know. And it, and then it's like, is that really my Cymbalta? And then I take it and like, yep, sure enough, sure I start was. feeling normal again. And it's like, dang it, that really is powerful. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Because it's hard when it's just affecting your mood. But when it starts affecting your vision and stuff like that, it's like, oh, I guess it really was helping. Or it wasn't yeah. like, it really is having a physical effect. But No, totally. Certain, uh, yeah, like sometimes things will look more, that is one of the first things that I noticed I've become, since I was a drug addict, I've become very good at, like, hyper aware of everything that is going on in my body. So, like, I'm, mm-hmm. it's it's to, to a fault to the point where I'm, yeah. like, crazy hypochondriac. But, yeah, that's what I always notice is, like, it almost looks like uh, putting on some kind of glasses where things get a little more HD or they get a little more fuzzy or weird. Mm. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Man. Totally, man. I gotta There's so much out. going on. <laughs> I know. I got to figure out if I need to stay on my medicine or not. Well, I will say that, like, I think everyone should be on the very minimum amount of psychiatric medications that they can be. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that is. Like, hopefully you can find a way through, like, diet and exercise and, you know, maybe meditation or yoga or, or you know, having weekly coffee with friends specifically to talk about that, which Tim Eller and bc club does we talked about that but i haven't published the episode yet um how he just started a little group with his friends specifically about mental health and there's so many different ways that you know people can treat without medication it's not always an option some people you just really need those extra chemicals and that is there's no shame in that but but the side effects you know like they suck so it's like really the, anything the, you can do <laughs> really i would say the biggest one this is what this is what sucks is 
and this is like the biggest one that's giving me pause this time around on this medicine is that for either it's in my head at this point and once again it's a chicken or egg thing i don't know if it's the medicine or if i just thought it was and therefore now it has become a thing but it's like Mm -hmm. my communication with god has gotten so flat Mm. in like the past month it's like I can't seem to pray for very long. I don't feel like I've heard God like I used to. I don't feel God like I used to. And that's where I get angry where I'm like, okay, God of the universe, a little pill is going to stop you from communicating with me. Like what's up with that? And I felt like you led me to get back on medicine. And so it starts that whole dance in my head. (laughs) <laughs> Rhea, it's killing me. All right. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> and then I th- No, you I know. know. But what I, about so if if you're having that's the interesting part. You're taking medication and then you can't talk to God as much. So what does that say about people that can talk to God a lot? Like especially people in the Bible, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just makes me wonder, like, I asked the question, like, wasn't were any of them psychotic? just curious oh, that is interesting. You know? yeah yeah it's like i've seen it and people can love jesus <sighs> also and be psychotic you know that's that is sound bite of the year people <laughs> can love jesus and be psychotic and i would say some people that love jesus are psychotic yes uh, yeah but being Who... a christian doesn't preclude you from hallucinations or delusions like you know that you can still oh. Yeah. Love Jesus or have a relationship with God or be saved and experience those things. And so it does mm. make it a little difficult when you go back to the Bible and you're like, huh, that kind of sounds a little bipolar. It's a little weird. Yeah. You know, like, no, totally. Totally. Maybe There's maybe David Nabin Bathsheba was a, a little bit of a manic episode, maybe. Who right. knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a, I'll send him to the battle, right? He'll get killed, right? That sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Good job, David. Let's do that. Yeah. Right. I really, or maybe he was on the substance. Who knows? <laughs> that dude there, you know, Noah was an alcoholic. We should really go through the Bible and make a series of uh, mentally ill Bible characters. Nobody's right? done that, I don't think. We should All do right. that. That'd be fun. Copyright Rhea and Jed, twenty nineteen. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, well, thanks for man. Thanks for coming on and telling your story. Um, yeah, we we've been meaning to do this. We have a ton in common. I'm sure I'll get you back on at some point. Um, but tell everybody where they can find your show. Sure. So depthofechoes.com. I have a website. It's not great right now because I do everything myself and I have to teach everything from the ground up. So anyway, the website and then we're on it's depth of echoes on iTunes and Spotify and all the podcast places. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And then we also have the other project that we started, the Comfort Squared Project, um, which is to help provide support for people who have had a recent psychiatric or traumatic event or, you know, it could be even like maybe an OD thing. Like I'm really open to who it goes to, but they're like blankets. So they'd be made from people in the community. So they're all individual squares. Oh, what? And they get put together, and then they also come with stacks of cards with notes from people in the community, like notes oh, of encouragement. that's so awesome. Yeah, so even if someone doesn't crochet, if they want to, or knit, they can still contribute to the project by sending in notes of encouragement. And it all just goes in an anonymous bundle out to someone who's recently had some sort of crisis as just kind of a, hey, like, 
there's other people going through this stuff, there's support and there's love out there and you matter, you know, because sometimes Dang. that's really where, what you need to hear. Where can where can people sign up for that or how? Yeah, that's already, the Comfort you... Squared project on Instagram and Facebook. And okay. they can find it if they go to Depth of Echoes too. Okay. Awesome. All <laughs> right, Ray. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. It's a pleasure.